Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I am so happy to have you here with us on today's show. I sat down with Nicole. I have to tell you, I honestly just saw a post that Nicole had put in a group that we're in together, and I thought she had just the best energy. I knew I had to have her on the show. So luckily, she agreed, and we were able to sit down and have a fantastic conversation. And what's really wild is there's actually a lot of similarities in our life. I so appreciate Nicole and the time that she took to talk to me, and I know that you're going to love this episode as well. Now to the show. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I'm wondering if you can do a quick introduction of yourself and kind of tell the listeners who you are and a little bit about you. All right. Absolutely. So my name is Nicole McNellis. I'm a mental health therapist in Pennsylvania, and I have been a therapist for 10 years now. I have a private practice, and I specialize in seeing women, moms, and moms-to-be. So I love working with women, love working with postpartum women, pregnant women. That's where I specialize. That's where my passion is. Um, And I'm also a mom to two young boys. Oh, how fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, um, you know, your passion and your focus. Um, That's just really fantastic. I don't know if I share this with you, but it's a passion of mine as well. Just really being there to support women, especially through these like really hard life transitions. So that's so cool that you do that. So that is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it might be, um, kind of just funny for the listeners to know how we got connected because it was like the the most random, (laughs) the most random thing ever. Um, and you may have to kind of share the story with us, but if I remember correctly, I was on, you know, one of the private practice websites. I saw that I believe it was like one of your first days at like a new office. Correct. And so you were going into that. And if I remember, like, didn't you like break the door knob? Am I remembering this correctly? Yes. And I feel like this is really, this is going to lend itself to our conversation today. So I've been a therapist for 10 years, um, but I just recently started my, um, my own private practice. And so I had these visions of what my first day would be, you know, that I was going to have all of these profound conversations with clients and everything was going to go so well. And as part of that day, I have a, a really great friend who has a great sense of humor. She had this idea where she wanted me to take pictures of my first day. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm a therapist. What am I going to take pictures of? Uh-huh. So as a joke, we started, my husband and I started the day with me, you know, dressed up in my, you know, my professional therapy clothes. And I made a little sign uh-huh. that said my first day of private practice. And we kind of made a big deal out of it. And so we started off the day on a great note. And then I drop off my toddler at daycare and he's been there for two years and he loves it there. And for whatever reason that day, he recognized that mommy had a meeting and he threw a gigantic tantrum, like huge, huge tantrum. Oh my goodness. Didn't want to go in. It was so odd. Thankfully we have wonderful teachers that we've been working. I mean, we've been there for over six years with my other child. And so they came over, the teachers came over, scooped him up and literally said to me, this is a really important day. You need to go. We got this. (laughs) Which was awesome. awesome. Um, so that was the first thing that was kind of like, why is he, what's going on? Why is he throwing this tantrum? This is so odd. And then I go to the, go to work, have my sessions you know, everything goes well in session. And then I'm going to leave the office and this is a brand new office to me. And I went to lock the door from the, you know, you put the key in the door and huh. go to close the door and the doorknob literally split in two pieces and fell into my hands. And I'm looking at it like, what, that, I don't think this is how this works. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this. Why is the the door handle in two pieces in my hand? And, you know, it's a therapy office. And so there's no administrators. There's no receptionists. All therapists. There's a number of therapists in there, but it's all therapists who are at this point in session. And I'm the only one new to the office. And of course, you you can't bust into somebody else's session. That's like the worst thing ever. So I'm sitting there with the with the lock in my, and you know, with the doorknob in my hand in two pieces. And I tried to piece it together the best that I could. And thankfully another, one of the other therapists who's been there forever was coming over to use the fax machine. And he saw me there oh, no. <laughs> and with the, with the doorknob and two pieces in my hand and he helped me piece it together and lock it the best we could, but then it was stuck that oh. you can get in and it's a shared office space. So then I had to call 
my brand new landlady and tell her oh, that my goodness. <laughs> broke the door on my first day. And oh. so she was really great about it. But I mean, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't even believe it. So the, the idea of here were these expectations that I had, you know, yes. and the actual reality of the day and how often this happens to us as moms, right? We have yes. beautiful expectations of what things are going to be like. And then we walk into it and it, things just, and now I'm laughing about it. I will tell you, I was not laughing when that door knocked on yes, I, I was not laughing because I thought, who else does this on their first day in the new office, like breaking the office? Like who right. does that? And I did. <laughs> I was say, that would be something that would totally happen to me truthfully yeah. too. But what I loved about it though, was that like, even in that moment, like, cause you, I, you had taken a picture and like your energy and just like your like passion and life in general, it just really shined through even in that really hard moment. And so I was like, I need her on the podcast to talk about like how, like, how do you maintain that? You know? And I just, I loved, I loved one that you were like transparent and vulnerable and had a good sense of humor about it and have continued to find some humor in it. Um, because sometimes that stuff just happens and it's always at like the worst time. It's yes, always at the always worst time. At the worst time. Yes. I had another appointment that I had to run to. And so I had to, you know, leave the door yes. broken. I couldn't stay and wait for anybody to come and help. And so yeah, it was just one of those things. And one of the things I mentioned in the in the post that you saw was that even because I've been working for other people for ten years yes. and this is and it's such a dream of mine to have my own practice. So after I was able to reflect, after I was out of that moment and realized the door was gonna be fixed, it wasn't a big deal. Yep. Um, I was able to recognize, like, you know what? that was my door that I broke. So that makes it yes. okay. Like my, my office after all of these years. And now yes. I have, you know, this absolutely ridiculous story of my first day, but it's okay because that was my office. I was doing my own thing finally after 10 years. And, yes. And that's what, so it was that reframe that was really important for me. And it really is a really funny story. Yes. Yes. And I love, I love, I love laughing at myself. I think that like when yes. you can find, like I said, just find that humor, you know, um, I, I've told this story before, but there was a time, you know, when I was walking through the office building and there used to be a daycare in my building. And so um, a gentleman was coming to pick up his son and he said, hi. And I said, hi. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm old. And I was like, that's a really bizarre response to how are you? So I said, no, you're not. And I just like looked at him kind of like, what are you talking about? And he looked at me like, you're weird as hell. And then he walked away and I was like, oh my God, he's cold. He's not old. He's cold. And I just told him he didn't know his own internal temperature. And so like that could have crushed me. But instead I was like, that is the best thing that's ever happened. I'm going to tell everyone I know about that is really funny. You know, no, it is so important yeah, to be yeah. able to laugh at yourself and take a step back. And I really, I feel like sometimes I shock clients with how much I laugh in therapy, yes. but we laugh together, yes. you know, cause there's, and all because therapy can be so heavy. Yes. So having those moments of levity, even and it's usually at my expense. Yes. I, yes. It's, it's good to have those moments. Yes. You know, it's good to find kind of the, the light and the darkness, so to speak. But yeah, I laugh at myself pretty consistently. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that it sounds like our um, styles of therapy are very similar because I often say, like, if somebody stood outside my door and heard how much we laugh, they would be like, Are you like even doing therapy right now? And it's like, Yes. But there are ways to find that humor to get us through that. And um, sometimes that helps in those moments. So, you know, one of the things that we had talked about, because we were just brainstorming, like you have so much knowledge, we were trying to really, you know, dive into like, what would be something like, what do we think the audience like most needs to hear? And um, I think this is a topic that our listeners are so going to resonate with. It's just something that um, has been in the forefront. I know forefront of my mind and um, a lot of friends and colleagues have mentioned this as well. It's talking about like this work life balance. And so I'm wondering, can you share a little bit about that? Like where your passion comes from? Um, and how you first got interested in this? So I feel like it comes up, it comes up constantly. Um, yes. This is probably one of the themes that comes up more than any other um, in terms of the work that I do with women. And um, to give a little bit of a background, this is actually my second career. So I was in sales beforehand and I was a school counselor before I got into private practice. So even when I was working with students and their parents, it still came up all of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and now, especially with women and with moms, it's just something that comes up constantly. And it's this idea of 
how do I keep, I'm juggling all of these things and how do I keep all of it in balance? Like how do I manage my household and my job and still have some time to myself and take care of myself? And it's really, it's such a challenge and it's such a struggle. And I feel like a lot of the time, part of the issue is we look at, and we've been taught to look at work-life balance as this finite point that yes. we're trying to get to. And when we look at it that way, and and I can very easily look at it that way, like I know exactly what my house would look like. Yes. If it was, everything was was perfectly clean and organized. And I know, you know, exactly what my, you know, workout schedule would look like and, you know, getting the kids to school on time and, you know, making uh, you know, homemade dinners every night. Like I know. So I have this perfect vision also, but I've come to recognize that that finite point that I was trying to get to was making me miserable, that it actually was not achievable. And what I started to do in my work with my clients is I started to look at what if we look at work-life balance on a continuum? Mm -hmm. What if we get away from the idea that it's this finite point that you that you have to get to, and unless you get to that point, you have not achieved work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And when we start to look at work-life balance on a continuum, it becomes, first of all, it takes the pressure off. It's like, oh, like if I have a big project at work, it's okay if I'm putting more of my energy there. Yes. If you're at a point where your kids are, are needing you more for whatever, like if they're sick yes. and they need you more for whatever reason, it's okay if you put more of your energy there. And so when we take that pressure off of this finite point that's right in the middle and we allow ourselves to go kind of where we're needed and where we feel like our energies would be of most use it makes such a difference and I, literally when i have this conversation with clients it's like you can actually see <laughs> you can right. actually feel the physical pressure kind of being released it's like i don't that this is not a thing I, I have to do. So that's one of the, and one of the first things I say to clients when they, cause some of them will just come right out and ask me like, I, I have no work-life balance. How do I get there? And my answer is you, you can't because yeah. it isn't, it isn't a place. Yeah. Um, it, it, it does not exist. Right. And they're shocked at first. But then when I go into the explanation of looking at it on a continuum and letting some of that go, it's like, Oh, that I can do right. that. I can manage. And I think it, it changes the whole conversation and it makes it, it makes it doable all of a sudden. It makes it go from this, you know, Im impossible ideal that I cannot get to and that is making me miserable to, oh, I, I can manage this. I, I can do this. I can put my energies where it's most needed. And the other piece of it is we're constantly doing these cost benefit analyses, right? Like, okay, is it going to be worth it? for me to do this? Where can I put my energies today? And allowing yourself to do that, not forcing yourself into places and doing things that you don't have the energy for that aren't absolutely necessary to, you know, your survival and your family's survival. Like it's okay. It's okay yeah. to do that. And in fact, it's good. It's good for you. Yeah. That, yeah. That's fantastic. Thinking about it on that continuum rather than, than one point, because I think a lot of times that is how we view it is like, there is an exact point that we want to get to of like 50% this and 50% that. Um, but it sounds to me really like it's more, and, and I might be wrong. So if I am wrong, please, please correct me. But it sounds more like your vision and and goal in helping people figure out like their balance is more so just like being fulfilled in both aspects. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yes, it really, really is. Yeah. And, and uh, like in allowing yourself to go where you're needed and where you feel like you are doing the most good and yeah, and where you're getting the most fulfillment. And there are times, you know, in our lives as adults, like these are the hard decisions that we need to make. Right. right. So summer, this summer I spent all summer, um, setting up my private practice. So I had this very real recognition. I had a very real conversation with myself where I recognized that this summer is going to look very different yes. than any summer has ever looked in the past. You know, I like to try to spend a little more time with my kids. I, there are certain things that we like to do in the summer that did not happen this summer. I had to really direct all of my energies into getting my private practice set up because I had a deadline, I had a date, mm -hmm. and I recognized that right now, this season in my life, this is where my energies need to go. And that was a really difficult decision. And it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant all of the time, but I recognized this is a three month span. If we're getting a little more takeout during the summer, 
that's okay. Right. That's okay. Right. Because I don't have the time or the energy. to. So I love to cook. And I wasn't able to do that as much this summer because I was staying up till two in the morning writing web copy. And that right. was just the reality of what I needed to do. Right. And so what was important for me was to not beat myself up over that, yes. was to not say like, oh my goodness, we got takeout two times this week. Why, why did I do that? Why did I allow myself to do that? That's so bad. Or my kids were like, this is great. Right. <laughs> And and trying to look at it is because if you look at the small picture, it's like, oh, no, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm letting everyone down. And I looked at the big picture was like, my kids think this is great. This is this is just for the time being where I recognize that this is something that I have to let go of for now, the cooking, and I can get back to it once things settle down a little bit, which they have now. Right. So, but the, the key was to show myself some self-compassion and to not beat myself up over it because it's easy yep. as moms and as women to go there. So I have that conversation with clients a lot too, is, you know, when, as you're walking yourself through this process and you start to hear yourself saying terrible things to yourself, try to walk that back a little bit recognize that you wouldn't say that to your closest girlfriend. Like I, I wouldn't say that if I knew one of my friends was working really hard on a big project, I wouldn't say to them, well, why did you get takeout twice? I would never do that. Right. I would say, good, good for you. Like good for you. Yes. Can, I, can I bring you a meal? Like good for you. You need, you need to be doing that right. I'm so proud of you for putting all this work into this project of yours. You know, it would never even phase me that they got takeout twice, you know, or whatever right. it was. So, but we are so hard, we're much harder on ourselves than we are on the people that are closest to us. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would hundred percent agree with that. You know, what's so interesting is I didn't realize this when we first talked about um, this particular topic, but this is so timely for me. I'm, I'm actually in this transitional period of, um, I've been doing private practice for full-time now for, has it been two years full-time and part-time for two years before that. Um, but I have now ended my contract with the company that I was working with and I am a hundred percent doing it through my own company. And, um, that does, it's taken more time away from my family and some plans that I had, um, with my son, you know, I just haven't been able to do. And I just keep telling myself, you know, when I get through this transition, then I will be able to spend that day with him. Then we'll, we will be able to go to the pool, you know, um, it's an indoor pool. So at least, you know, <laughs> we're not limited with the winter weather it's going on right now. And so just reminding myself of that has been been very helpful. But um, hearing you talk about it and talk about your transition really provided me some extra grace for myself. So I just really thank you for sharing that. And I'm guessing, oh, yeah, you're welcome. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one who's going through that either. So there are mm-hmm. probably other people that are going to get some healing from that, just knowing that like it's, it truly is okay. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And the mom guilt is huge. So when I was thinking about, so I've known for a few weeks now that we were going to have this conversation when I was thinking about some things that I thought would be really important to bring up. Yeah. um, One of those things was, was this, this mom guilt that so many of us have. And I was thinking, where in my life currently do I feel that? Because I, I am not, I think sometimes clients think we're immune to some of this stuff. We are not. I, I fully believe that, or at least for me, I know that a lot of the times I teach what I most need to learn. Mm-hmm. So this is a continuing, very important lesson for me, this idea that there is no work-life balance that I could let go of some of this mom guilt. So I was thinking right now, now that my practice is set up, where am I feeling this mom guilt? Where am I seeing this in my life? Um, so my oldest son um, is seven. He's in first grade and he goes to a wonderful school and they have a lot of opportunities for parent volunteers during the day on field trips, all kinds of stuff. It's really wonderful. So he sees a lot of parents at his school during the day, which is which is awesome. And he's seven, so he still thinks I'm pretty cool. He's not embarrassed, uh-huh. not yet, yeah. <laughs> mostly. He's not embarrassed of me yet. Um, so he he asked me, if I could come in and volunteer at his school. And I thought about it and I recognized that I am just not in a place right now, this school year where that is possible for me because I have, I have a toddler at home. Um, so on the days that I'm not working, I'm a stay at home mom with my toddler. So, right. you know, and they don't want him at the elementary sure, school. Sure. As much as we adore him, having yes. a toddler running around the elementary school wouldn't work. So I would have to do it on the days that I normally have scheduled for working. And because my practice is so new, as you know, when you're in private practice, you're not just working nine to five or, you know, whatever hours you see. If you get, you know, a new client email at eight o'clock and you're taking new clients, you're emailing that person back. Like right. it's, you're not working, you're, you're doing so much. 
So I recognized that as touching as it was that he wanted me there and as much as I wanted to be there, that just the logistics of it don't work right now. And there's also a number of things like there's a special training that you have to go through, which is, which is awesome. I'm so glad right. that this does that, but I, I don't have time to fit in an hours long, you know, training and then right. finding the time in my schedule to actually go in and put in hours, you know, during the day, during the days that I have set aside for working would be a real challenge right now. And to have to explain that to a seven-year-old that wants you there at school right. with them is really hard. Yeah. And I get emotional talking about it. Um, but you know, you feel like, I, and it was hard for me I had to think I, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm getting emotional over this. No, no, um, I thought about, oh my goodness, if I tell this story, like our Kelly's listener is going to think, oh my goodness, really? She couldn't make the time um, to spend it, you know, at her son's school, but you have to make those, those hard decisions. Yes. Like I recognize like right now, this isn't going to work for us. And then you have those thoughts like, well, there's other parents that work full time and they're making the time to do it. But I recognize like everyone's situation is so Absolutely. different. And there's things that I do that other parents don't do. And so fully recognizing that um, there are things that I do to engage with my son around school. And this is something that I absolutely have to say no to right now, as difficult as that is. So there's, there's a real, like, that's a, you know, and that's a real experience of mom guilt for me right now. But so it's been clearly, yeah, (laughs) it's no. To let let go of that but I recognize I know for all of us right now that that is that that's the best thing you know yeah. so but I also recognize that eventually that's something that I do want to do it's on the to-do list but now is not it's just not a good time for that and I have to kind of let go of that absolutely. a little bit yeah so. absolutely no thank you so much for sharing that I know that there are people who are listening first of all I know my listeners they check in with me and they are not judging you I can guarantee you of that if anything they're probably like thank you for saying that because I've been feeling this way about whatever that may look like you know when my son was really young and I had first started um, working part-time in private practice I was working full-time and I had him I had started right before I had him actually and so I was just building you know and networking and doing all of that and I had so much guilt around that plus dealing with like postpartum anxiety and there's just a lot going on in my life but I kept thinking to myself I can't do what I want to do in this moment but I'm working towards building a better life for us and I have to stand hold you know stay hold or stay steadfast I guess, and hold on to that truth that our lives are going to be better because of this choice. And if that means that I can't be there every night to put him to bed, or you can't be there at your son's school, it does not mean that forever we're not going to be there. It just means that we are aiming towards a better life for us all. And that may cause some sacrifices, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Thank you for sharing that. Cause it is, it's, it's tough. The mom, the mom guilt is it's yes. constant. And I think what's important is being able to, to talk yourself out of it and to walk yourself out of it. And again, the, the idea of not beating yourself up and showing yourself some, some self-compassion. So that's kind of like yes. my, my very serious story about mom guilt. And then um, something, another term that I totally made up that I use with clients. And it's funny because I made up this term, but they know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it uh-huh. is I refer to something that I like to call Pinterest pressure. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Right, right. yes. I made that up. Here we go. You're hearing it for the first yep. time. You know exactly what Absolutely. I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. And, and it's funny because my clients have that same reaction. When you go on Pinterest, right, and you're pinning stuff, say, for your, you know, your new dining room that you want to decorate or your kid's birthday party that you want to throw, it is, oh, it can be overwhelming. Yes. And it can feel like, what? Why did my kid's birthday party not look like that? Why does my dining room not look like that when I'm done decorating it? And it can be, it can feel really like what these um, expectations and these standards that are so hard to live up to. And what I work with, where I work with clients there is that I have some clients that are like really, really talented, you know, and crafty and they enjoy that stuff. They enjoy making all of the decorations for their kids' birthday parties themselves. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. Like if that's something that lights you up and that's where you find joy, then you go ahead and do that. But if you're looking at Pinterest and thinking, I feel terrible about myself, the standard that I cannot live up to you can let go of that. You can go on Oriental Training and buy the decorations. I'm yes. giving you permission. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to hand make everything yourself, you know. And the idea of letting go of that pressure because it isn't 
it's manufactured, you know, we, right. we don't, you don't have to live up to that. And it's just one more thing that moms have to worry about. So I work with clients on, okay, is if, if this is something that brings you joy, then you go ahead and you do it. But if it's not, you can, you can, and it's not something you need for survival. You can step, you can step away from that. And, and that's okay. And in fact, it'll bring you, you know, you'll be healthier and happier once yes. you step away from, you know, forcing yourself to do things that, that, you know, that don't light you up. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what's so interesting about you saying that is I have um, a dear friend who um, I was talking to the other day and she's very, very intentional about things that she does in her life. And because of that, everything looks very put together. And so she always looks put together. Her environment, always like her home always looks so put together. I mean, parties, she is like the best at throwing them. Um, it just always is, is it's pretty impressive actually that, but that is a skill that she has me on the other hand. I'm like, my son, one is never going to know that this is like what it could potentially be Two, He is not going to really care. So if I get him a Scooby-Doo cake, like he's happy, he, you know, he still talks about his Scooby-Doo cake. That's all it took. That's all it took. You know, I didn't need to try to do all of these things. And I am someone that, especially when it comes to crafty stuff, that is, I'm such so particular about details with things that I um, become very overwhelmed and stressed out and I just don't do it. And so I would much rather have like a really low key time, you know, and um, just have it be much more simplified, kind of like it was in the 80s when I was growing up, you know, like you had a cake, you had some drinks, maybe some pizza. If it was a really good year, you had some pizza, maybe, you know, Um, and that was the extent of it. But I think really it it truly is it, it's just whatever works best for us. And it doesn't say anything about my friend or me or, or either one. It's just, we have different strengths, you know? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm wondering, you know, we talked a little bit about mom guilt and, you know, the work-life balance for women. I'm just really, really kind of curious your thoughts on this, because I feel like this comes up so often. Men are never questioned about their work-life balance. If I ask my husband right now, like, hey, you know what? When's the last time someone asked you like, oh, wow, how do you do it all? Or like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that you're able to work full time and Mm -hmm. be a mom or well, for his case, and be a dad. I mean, like, what are your thoughts on that crap? I'll just call it crap because that's what it is. True. No, it's true. Uh, you know, it's funny when I think about this, I think I bet no one has even ever asked my husband, where are your kids while you're at work? Because yes, like, yes. I mean, even something is forget about the, the comp, you know, the very kind of abstract, complex, big idea of work-life balance. No, nobody even wonders if he's at work. Yes. If, nobody wonders if he dropped the kids off. It's, nobody wonders yes, that. Yes. So it's, it's even, it even goes that far. So this is, this is such a great question. And it really does. This comes up a lot when, um, because I work primarily with women, when we talk about the division of labor and how that plays out and what those expectations look like. And I was just re- reading a really good article the other day where it talked about how even in households where both parents are working full time in, in heterosexual couples, how usually the woman, the wife, does seven years more worth of kind of the the scheduling and the the mental load and all of that labor seven over the course of her lifetime seven years of additional labor as compared with her in regards to household management like that I knew it was a lot but that that blew me away and um I think a big part of that is our society, unfortunately, and our culture is not set up to support moms. It's really not. And so I try to bring that into my work a lot because when I have a a mom that comes to me and she's overwhelmed and exhausted because of everything that she has going on in her life, usually her initial reaction is, I'm going to blame this on me. I'm going to take this on me. I'm the reason that I can't, you know, handle working full time and keeping everything in order and doing all the things at my kid's school. This is on me. This is my fault. And we start to pull that apart a little bit. And I do think, I think our profession as a whole is coming around to this a little bit more where even 10 years ago, it was more like, we need to look at the individual and we need to reframe those thoughts. If you were to you know, just change your thinking a little bit about this, then you'd be right. able to get it all done. No, right. that is not, <laughs> right. that is unhealthy. That is just putting more pressure on women that we absolutely do not need. So what I try to do now is we try to look at the environment a little bit more and take that into consideration. Like, what is your, what does your environment look like? What is your, you know, your, your leave time look like from work? 
Where can we talk about, you know, getting your, your partner in more? What does that look like? How can we, how can we plan for that? Because we don't have systems set up right now. We don't have good parental leave. We, we don't have a good parental leave, forget it. We don't have any parental leave, right? So unless your company or organization, I know ha- allows for that and is progressive, that that doesn't, that doesn't exist. Right. And so I think because these structures are set up this certain way, the default is, well, then the mom's gonna take care of it. And that's why we don't ask dads these questions is because they weren't responsible for it before. But now that we have so many dual earner households and even in households when there's a parent that stays home, it's just so much more is still put on on the moms. And, you know, it changes the the conversation. We just, we don't ask these, or, you know, when we refer to dads as babysitting, that's oh. not babysitting. Kid. Isn't that the worst? That's the worst, I, right? I, I know. That just kills me. I'm like babysitting. <laughs> oh, if anyone ever said that to me about my husband, I, that's one thing I would probably be like, are you, I would honestly probably say, are you kidding me right now? So do you consider yeah. me babysitting my son my entire life? Like that's just yeah. wild. It's just so, yeah. I don't even know why that's a thing. I really don't. I, I mean, don't. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a system. So when I have this conversation with clients, we talk about how th- this is not their fault. Yes. This is a this is a systemic issue. And so what we try to do is within the system that truly is, it's broken right now. It is, it is broken. So we try to find ways to work within this broken system. We try to find ways to alleviate some of that guilt and some of that, this is all my fault that all these other moms have it all together. And I don't, there, there are no moms that there are no moms. There are no dads that have it all together. It just, it does not exist. It just, some people are able (laughs) to make it look like they have it all together. But they don't, yeah. um, and they and usually they even the ones that look like they have it all together, they don't feel like they do. They feel like a piece is missing, and they're not keeping up with something. And and the other piece for me is, I feel like as I'm starting to, you know, again the the private practice, my own private practice for me is new. But I feel like for me, the direction that I'm going and that I feel like I have to go is more advocacy because yeah. th- this is not working. This is beyond the the therapy room yes. and. I feel like in using our voices, because I, I feel like even in you know graduate school ten years ago, as a therapist, you're kind of taught that you're you're behind you're the behind the scenes person, right? You don't take credit for what your client is doing. You you know you're just there guiding, which is very true when you're in uh, that therapeutic relationship, when you're in the therapy room. But I find that now out in the community, I can say to someone. I'm a mental health therapist and this does not, this does not work. You want to know why my new moms are so stressed out because they have to go back to work after four weeks because there's no such thing because there is no, you know, parental leave. This doesn't make any sense. So when you put a new mom in that super stressful situation that what, what are you expecting in terms of mental health outcomes? Of course, she's going to be stressed out when you're, you know, if you're getting three hours of sleep a night and then you have to, you know, go to work you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, what do you think that's going to look like? That, that there is no positive thinking that's going to get you past that. I'm, I should say to your listeners, I'm on my soapbox right now. <laughs> no, no, I love it. It's true. Really, it's really, it's, uh, it, it's infuriating. It yes. really, really is. And I think we also don't allow ourselves to say that as therapists either. Like they're, they're, it's infuriating and it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard and we're new moms and having to say to them, like, this, this really is not your fault. We're going to, for right now, because we have to, we're going to find a way to get you okay, to get you healthy, to work within this system. But this is not your fault. Right. And I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, I really do think there's, there's definitely been a shift in the last 10 years in terms of support for moms. Like even, so my kids are four years apart. Hey guys, totally interrupting here. My apologies, but I wanted to let you know about our weekly newsletter. I'm not sure if you've seen me post about it or not, but it is a weekly newsletter from yours truly on the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. Get a more intimate look at how I view life, how I am able to find people to be on the podcast and even be able to take part in who shouldn't be on the podcast. This community is for you. I want you, the encouragers, to be able to go out into the world and spread goodness. And I would love for you to be a part of that. Just go over to my website, www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, and you will be able to sign up for the newsletter there. Now back to the show. Yeah. 
And after I had my first son, there was, there was no like after the hospital visits, there was no phone calls from the hospital. There were nothing after my second son who, again, they're only four years apart. There was, it was only one visit, but still there was a nurse who came to the house and did a home visit, made oh, sure wow, that I was, wow. yeah, made sure that I was come and it was fully covered by insurance. I mean, and that just that one visit, I feel like if it was a mom who was in a really bad place makes a big difference. Like, you know, she was asking me questions about how I was feeling and, you know, making sure that I was okay, making sure that I was comfortable taking care of the baby, making sure that the home was safe for the baby. I mean, it was really, it was amazing. And just a one visit that was just, you know, probably an hour long. And in other developed countries, you know, they've got midwives and nurses consultants, you know, doing multiple home visits after a new baby is born. Like that's, that I, you know, that's going to take a, you know, it's going to take some time, I think, and work right. to get to. But um, that is my hope that someday we will come to the realization that we need to do better in supporting our moms and in supporting our families. And I recognize that my voice, because it's fairly loud, um, needs to be part of that conversation that I can no longer just sit back and do my work in the therapy room that I need to do it out in the community too. And then I need to do it through advocacy because or, or else it's not going to change. And I can do that and, and, and using, you know, an expert voice. I can say that I, I've seen this, I've read the research and, but, but I see it every day in my office and I'm not okay with this. Right. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And, um, like I say, it's something that just really, uh, I, I just kind of like to call things like they are. So I'll just say it like it's complete shit. Like it's just <laughs> shit. Like this, terrible. Is, terrible. this is really not, um, what should, what should be happening and I I think that we are in some ways some things are getting better but um you know there's that quote and I won't say it exactly but it is it's like you know a a woman's expected to work like there's no home life and like you know take care of the home like there's no work um but yet most women these days are really trying to manage both and quite honestly even if somebody like being a stay I I have friends that are stay-at-home moms I tell them this all the time like that is honestly one of the hardest things that you could ever do I just really have so much respect for anybody who chooses to do that because it's not easy. And it also is a financial hit truly for people, you know, with our, um, you know, society today and economy and how, you know, how much everything costs. Like there's not a lot of people that, um, are able to do that. And most of the people that are, are making huge sacrifices to do that. So there's just so many dynamics there, but it is uh, so aggravating to me that, um, especially right after you have a baby, the attention shifts so quickly to your child. And yes, your child needs that attention. But also when people are only asking you about your child and you are really struggling, there is nothing more defeating. And so I make a serious point, especially after I became a mom and like really felt how that felt to check in with my friends after they have babies. How are you doing? Like, tell me how you're doing. I want to know about you, you know, like, yes, I'll hold your baby if you want or I'll, I'll do your dish if you want or whatever you want me to do but I just really want to know like how are you truly doing and I'll even share like I struggled and I didn't I couldn't even as a therapist I couldn't even identify what it was and it took me honestly a, a few I would say at least two two and a half years to feel like things were really like getting better and yeah. as a mental health therapist obviously like when things are are you know, like you said earlier, we're not immune to things and when things are really close to you it's hard to identify that like what's going on yes even with that knowledge. And so, um, I just think it's so important to share, to share that, to share the experience and to share like what that, what that feels like when you feel kind of, not kind of, I did, I felt devalued a lot. I thought, okay, so, you know, I brought this, I love my sweet son so much, you know, I brought him into the world. Um, but is that, is that all my worth? Now my worth is tied up in that. And, depending on how somebody else is is viewing you and your responsibilities and that pressure that you're putting it's like there's just so much you know you now are it it it, often when we have kids I feel like this at least like you really are like expected always to put yourself second and obviously we want our children to do well but if we can't function on our own how are we going to take care of them oh I'm getting I'm getting fired up now (laughs) I'm getting fired up This is such an important conversation to have. And I feel like at a minimum, even if we're not seeing huge policy change yet, the conversation is changing around this. Um, And I feel like there are some, you know, some advocates with some, you know, with our, that are saying some really important things about how this needs to change. And even from, you know, from, from an organizational standpoint, 
you're losing talent, you're losing, you're losing out financially when you're losing out on, on moms, when, you know, they're not able to come back to the workforce because your workplace is not supportive. Um, or when, you know, leave is not long enough and you, you have someone who is there and working and who is painfully sleep deprived. Like I, I think about, Um, so I've seen it from both sides. So when I had my sons, I took a year of leave with each of them. Mm -hmm. So I was a stay at home mom for a full year and then, you know, back to work for the rest of the time. And I think about when I had my first son, I was a, that's when I was a school counselor and I had a 45 minute commute in each direction. So I commuted for an hour and a half each day and, um, my son had reflux. And so he was sleeping in 20 minute increments Mm. and, yeah, it was the, the poor guy was in so much pain, but so was I because yes, I, was sleeping, yes. I was only sleeping when he was sleeping, which was in a handful of 20 minute increments a day. It was really, really rough. And I thought, what if I have to drop, like, I can't drive 45 yes. minutes. Like, like, this is actually, it's, it's, dang, it, this is dangerous. Right. And that was, that was honestly, I had thought about going back. I was planning to go back. And that was a big part of my decision is that th- this is dangerous. This is unhealthy. And I also knew that I couldn't serve those students that I needed to serve after only, you know, at 12 weeks, you know, he was still struggling with reflux and we were still, you know, not sleeping well. And I knew that, you know, I couldn't be, I wouldn't be offering those students and those parents everything that I could. And I had to, I had to step back and really reevaluate, you know, where I wanted to go with my career and how long I was going to take off. But in many other countries, women, you know, have a whole year off. And because it really takes you that whole year to adjust physically to adjust psychologically and for your child to get to a place where, you know, it makes it, things are a little bit easier at a year. So, um, so that was, you know, I've experienced that in a very real way as have, you know, most women yes. and even for the moms who, you know, are ready and wanting to go back a lot of times going back at four weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it might be. Um, the fact that you're not fully in control of that decision, mm-hmm. you know, there's all that, it makes it that much more difficult. So, and really it's just, it's a lot of pressure and, and, and yeah. And in some cases it's like, in my case, it would have been dangerous. (laughs) Like it would not have been good for me, you know, to go back on that, you know, while I was getting that little sleep and that was a hard decision. That was a hard decision to make. So, so yeah. So I really, there's so many reasons that I'm so passionate about this work um, that I do, but, and I think it's kind of cool that I can do work in the therapy room with moms. But now that, you know, at some point for me, it's going to grow past that because it, it has to, yeah. in order to, in order to really, you know, make it an impact in a different way. So that's so cool. I hope you'll keep us updated on, on what you do and where you go from here. I'm really excited to hear about that. So absolutely. you know, one thing that keeps popping into my mind that I keep thinking about, um, it's kind of twofold and maybe you have some thoughts on this, but I'm also thinking about women who maybe, you know, do not want to have children or have experienced loss or deal with fertility. And I don't think that that any women uh, escape this life without some pressure to have a family. And if um, they aren't able to hearing about that constantly or whatever that may look like. And I would think that for anybody listening who maybe is struggling with that, um, I've had a lot of people on the show and a few people coming up as well that are talking about infertility um, challenges. So I would encourage people to listen to that, but also just know that like, if you're getting that pressure too, that's crap too. I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know, I just think it's just, it comes from all sides and no matter our situation, we're still, we're still dealing with this. Um, and I think that it's important for, um, women, regardless of their situation to know whatever you choose in your life is okay. It's really okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, here we are talking about how, you know, these, these decisions are okay. And um, it's one of those things that um, I frequently say in therapy that many of the things that I say are so much easier said than done. And I recognize that like being able to say, I, I do not want to have children and I am okay with that. I don't need to list out all the reasons for you. This is just my decision. I am good with that. And being able, and because of all of this external pressure, you know, being able to say that I'm okay with that can be a lot harder than it sounds because the pressure is, the pressure is constant and it's really, it's unfortunate. And I hope we can shift away from that at some point too, that, you know, women's decisions are their decisions and guess what? They don't have to justify it to you. And that, that's something important that I've learned 
throughout this process of balance too, is that I can make a decision and I don't need to justify it. I can say no to something where I feel like my time, my energy and my time, that is not a place where I want to be putting it at that moment. I don't need to justify it. The answer is no. And I can walk away and that other person's reaction or that organization's reaction or whatever it might be, that has to be on them. And that's, that's tough when, especially as someone who's in the helping professions, who's always wanting to help and do more, sometimes being able to say no and walk away and not justify is, is okay and owning that. But that's a, that's a hard lesson. And I think as women, we are, as women, we are not taught that we're not taught that. So this is, you know, as I'm, as I'm getting older, right, these are the, the lessons learned. But I think you bring up a really, really, really important point there. You know, um, as we're wrapping up here, there's one thing I'd like to share um, for you and, and whoever is listening as well. Um, there is another podcast, and I wish I could give it a shout out. I don't. I listen to so many podcasts. Who knows what it was? I'm sorry. <laughs> if the person contacts me, I'll be sure to give them a shout out. But there was somebody who had a guest on their show, and they said, you know, like, can you introduce yourself to us? And and they said things like, I'm energetic. I um, find value in this world. I like nature. And um, it hit me that that I think often, especially as women, we identify ourselves by our roles. And I do this too. You know, if someone asks like, you know, who are you, you know, tell us about yourself. Like I'll start, like I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a therapist, you know, like it's always those things. But I think being able to know that we have value outside of our role is really, really important for us as well. It's so funny that you said that because that's exactly how I introduced myself is the the roles that I, you know, the roles that I, that I live in, in this world. So yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, what I did, yeah. didn't even think about that. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, me neither. And until I heard that, I mean, I, I still, I try, I've tried, I'll be honest. I try to like shift that, but sometimes it's just, I think it's just so ingrained in us that this is how we identify ourselves and our worth and all of that, that it's just like automatic. So it's something that I still, even after hearing that person and having kind of like that light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, there's like so much more that I still struggle with myself. Um, but I think it is something good to keep in mind. It, it's kind of hard too to be honest, to like identify yourself without those, you know, so Mm -hmm. it can take some time to like figure out, well, what, what am I, if I, if I'm not a mom or if I'm not a wife or if I'm not a therapist or an accountant or whatever that looks like. And so, um, it definitely takes some, some soul searching (laughs) to really identify those for sure. So, you know, are you familiar with Brene Brown? I am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. I figured so. I figured so. I swear we are our like soul sisters here. So yes, Brene Brown, the listeners have heard me talk about her so many times, every single time. I, I swear I'm putting out into the universe. So it happens. I'm like, I'm going to go to lunch with Brene Brown. Brene and I are sitting down for lunch. It's happening. Good for um, you. Thank you. Thank you. But what I think is, is so fantastic is one of her favorite or one of my favorite books that she has ever written is Braving the Wilderness. That was my absolute, like there is some Something about that time frame that I read it that just like hit me in my soul. And so I like to ask people that are, you know, guests, you know, she talks about walking out into the wilderness alone and taking that first step and really, you know, finding yourself um, along the way and even finding others who had that bravery to step out into their own wilderness. And so I'm wondering, can you share about a time where you feel like you have taken that step into the wilderness? Sure. That That's such a great question. Um, so I mentioned um, just uh, quickly as we were talking earlier that this is a therapy is a second career for me, mental health um, is a second career for me. So I started out in sales. I was in outside sales and I did that for about six years um, after undergrad. And I realized, um, I realized very early on, I stuck with it. It's one of those things where I stuck with it because this was my decision and I felt like I had to kind of stick it out. But I felt like I'm one of those people that if I do something, I really have to do it. I have to put my whole heart into it. Like some people can have a job and then have some really fulfilling parts of their life that they do outside of that and just be okay with that. I couldn't, I tried, (laughs) I tried that route and I couldn't do it. I felt like day in and day out and I was successful. I was doing just fine, but I felt like I'm not doing, I'm doing fine, but I'm not doing any good. I'm not doing any good in this world. Like this isn't. And the thing I loved most about my job at that time when I was in sales was meeting with clients. Like I loved hearing their stories. I loved hearing about their families. Like I didn't actually like the sales part of it. And I recognized that those, you know, that it was the relationships that were important to me. So it was, it was really, it was a really difficult decision because, you know, this was a, a choice that I'd made to people on the outside looked like I was doing just fine. You know, handing back the company car is not an easy thing when yes. you're driving around 
a company car for six years and have no car payments. And I just recognize that th this is not enough. This is not where I want to be. And it's funny because my husband had just finished up grad school. So he went to grad school part-time while working full-time and he was so excited to be done. And he, he had this vision like, yay, we're all done with school now. This is so great. And it was just a few months after he graduated where I was like, um, I think I want to go back to school. <laughs> I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And he, he was in shock at first, but he knew, he knew that I wasn't totally yeah. fulfilled in doing the sales work that I did. And, you know, once he recognized just how important it was for me to go back. Yep. And to really, to, to go down a different path, um, he was like, yeah, you know, go for it. So what I, I did the opposite of what he did. I quit my sales job. The, the day that I got my acceptance to graduate school, I quit. My, I gave my two weeks notice and I, yes. and I, quit my job. I was ready. I was like, I am, I'm done. I'm ready to move on. So I felt, especially, I mean, I wasn't that old. I was 28 at the time. I thought that was very old. Um, but still that's a non-traditional student age. A lot of the um, the other students uh, in graduate school were like 22, 23, right out of undergrad. And here I was, 28, had this, you know, life experience, had all this, and I had experience in sales. And so even some of the non-traditional students that were there in this graduate program had experience more in line with the helping profession. So I really had to find my place and find my people in that program um, because I feel like I didn't fit the traditional mold of um, a graduate student. And I remember I was terrified my very first day of class because I remember thinking to myself, I haven't taken a test in six years. I haven't you know, opened a textbook <laughs> in six yeah. years. I haven't written a research paper in six years. I haven't read like journal academic research in six years. Like what, what, what have I done? And I really, I had that thought. I was walking, walking into the building thinking, what have I done? Like I had a, a good job. Like I was doing just fine. And this is, <laughs> this is where I decided to go. And, um, Thankfully, well, all, I really had a wonderful experience in graduate school, but that very first class was the fundamentals of helping. Like it couldn't have been better yes. to walk into class as the first class. Yes. And the professor said to us, because I think it was the first class for a lot of people. Um, and he said to us something along the lines of like, we're going to, we're going to work through this. I know this is new for a lot of you and it's, we're a family. That's okay. And I was like, really? We're family. Yes. This is so great. And he's, he was right in the sense that for those of us in the helping professions, we we are a family and like this extended family in a sense, right? Like you and I yes. have you know, never talked in person, but we, you know, you have this connection Absolutely. because you, I feel like it's so hard to do this work if your heart really isn't fully in it. And so that was when I recognized that it didn't matter if I wasn't with, you know, people who had a sales background, if there wasn't other people in, you know, school that were, you know, approaching their thirties, like it was okay because yes. we're all there for the same reason. And I did find, um, a number of, you know, really wonderful people that I became close to, um, through that time in graduate school, because we had this recognition that we were, you know, working towards something that was really important to us. And that was really hard too. you know, graduate, graduate school is tough. Yeah. And, um, and the, and especially in counseling, the work you have to do and the introspection and the, the reflection, like you're really working on yourself while working towards, you know, your degree. So I think that, you know, I, I walked in thinking I'm like really alone in this and walked out with, you know, thinking like this, I'm now part of this community. Yes. And that was really, that was kind of nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I love that. You know, what's really interesting is I had went to a local shop here. I had never been to, um, it's called handpicked if anyone's local. And I walked in there and there was a lady working and she, I got talking with her and she was asking me about my business. So I was telling her the name of it and what I do. And she said, you know, I just said therapist. Cause that's a lot easier, especially if someone's not familiar without like explaining like all the different licensures. No, thank you. So <laughs> I just said therapist. She said, Oh my gosh, I'm a social worker. And I said, me too. And we literally like, yeah. And like high five. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And, no, and, I, know, I know. It's true. And it's we true. were just, you know, instantly connected then. Like that was like that binding factor. Um, and honestly, well, I went on to, you know, I got, she makes some really cool coasters and she makes some like magnets. And so I got a few things for my oh, office fun. and really enjoyed, you know, chatting with her. And I left thinking like, I will absolutely come back and support you. Like without a doubt, you know? And so it's really cool to know um, too, that we have that type of, that type of network and support. So it's pretty neat. So it I'm wondering, is. can you share, if you think about like your biggest encouragers throughout life, 
you know, can you share a little bit about them, like who they are, you know, what they do for you, those type of things? So this is a tough one um, because I feel like I am really fortunate and I feel very supported um, in in a number of areas in my life. So when I think when I think of the encouragers in my life, the first people I think of are are my family, my immediate family. So my dad was an entrepreneur. He's a really, really talented contractor. He is in his seven. How about that? <laughs> we really are soul sisters. Yes, my dad literally <laughs> construction. Yeah, yes, he's, he's he's wild. Yes. So, okay, sorry. Yes, he's had his own business my entire <laughs> life, even before okay. I was born. This is why. Yes. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, so, but <laughs> no, no, no. But I love it. Right? So yes. my, so my dad too, and so he's in his. Remind me to tell people his age. He's in his seventies, yep. and he's still working. Yes, and he's still doing beautiful work because yes. he can. Yes, he can't, he can't sit still, but he also he's just really talented, and this is just what he wants to do yes. and he tried he tried to retire he attempted it um but he's back working part-time now yes. and so I have never known um anything other than my dad working for himself and my mom yes. for many years um actually helped him out in his business and then she went back to work um full-time uh when I was a little bit older but yeah so my parents you know I, that was the experience that I had and when I first um started to kind of put out there that, Hey, I think I want to work for myself. My dad was like, all right, when do you, yes. <laughs> I'm waiting. When It wasn't like, Ooh, do you really think you should yeah. do that? It was all right. I gotcha. Do you want to, you need help with business cards? Like what do you, yes, like, yes. you need to get on this? You're going to be just fine. Yes. And, um, and that was really cool to have that from, from both of my parents and my, my siblings are actually entrepreneurs in their own right too one has a a side hustle that he does the other one is a is a musician and does really well and so there's that um culture in our family that this is what we do that we're not particularly good at working for or at least me i'll speak for myself i am not necessarily good at working for yes same Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can i can do it but i think i'm you know recognizing now that i'm much better at um you know working for myself and um so i've always had that encouragement and then my husband has always been um, super encouraging because I'm always like, guess guess what this other thing that I want to do is. Right. So, you know, I, like I threw the grad school thing on them, and then you know yes. I've you know worked for agencies and schools, and then it was like, I think I can do this myself. And he was just kind of like, oh, all right, let's let's yeah. do it. Let's go. Like, what, what do we need to do as a family to make that happen? So he's always been super supportive. That's and here's what my kid my kids have been like really supportive. So the little one is only three. So he only understands. He knows when he doesn't see me in sweatpants that I'm going to work. So (laughs) he always says, mommy, you have a meeting. So that's kind of cool. And he gets kind of excited about it. But my seven-year-old fully understands now. And, um, he, they, you know, they have a school counselor at school and they call her feelings helper, which I love. Yes. So now he understands. So now he calls me a grown up feelings helper. Oh. The school counselor, yeah. Is the, the little kid feelings helper. And yes. I'm a grown up feelings helper. And like, he's, you know, he's wanted to see my office. And so that's been really cool. Like he gets that. I love what I do and that I love helping people. And he really likes his school counselor. So he gets it now what I do. So that's been, that's, that's so been cool. really cool. So I'm really, I feel like I'm kind of surrounded by it. And when I think back to, so when I applied to graduate school, um, one of the things I had to do was you had to get, you know, these sealed letters of recommendation. I was in sales. I was like, where am I going to get? Yes. I, can't, I can't ask my boss, like, hey, I want to quit and, you know, work in the therapy. Like, can you send me a letter of recommendation? So I actually called, I had really wonderful school counselors when I was in high school. Yes. I actually called <laughs> school counselors. And one of my counselors said to me, Nicole, I've been waiting for 10 years. Stop. I just got chills. I know. She said that to me. So yeah, so she is. Yeah. So I had, um, I had, I had, you know, one school counselor that was assigned to me, but really when I think about it, I have three counselors that I was really close to that were amazing. And yeah. And the one counselor that I called said, I have been, and then she yelled at me, but she was like, I have been waiting. What is taking you so long? What is taking you so long? But she literally said to me, I've been waiting. I'm so glad you came to your senses. I've been waiting because at that point it had been, yeah, I was 28. So it'd been 10 years since I graduated. She said, I've been waiting for this call. That's so cool. Decided to make this decision. So yeah. And there's two more people that I think of really quickly after I had... Really, isn't it isn't it wonderful when you yes. think about it? And you think I have all this support in my life because really, you know, I think about my solo private practice and it's just me, but it's not. Yes, it's not me, and it has never been just me. So, um, after I had my first son, so there is um, a really great program at the hospital where I had my son, and it's run by um, 
the hospital social worker and the nurse practitioner from the, the practice that delivers there. And um, so Kathy and Seta, you guys are the best. So they run this group that they call the Postpartum Adjustment Support Group. And that group, they started that group 13 years ago, mm-hmm. as you probably know very well from being in this profession. Those groups essentially did not exist. Yes. 13 years they've been doing this. So they are just really special people. They are pioneers um, in this area geographically, um, but they went out and they got special training um, and postpartum mood disorders because they recognized that there was this need that women were calling the OBGYN office after they had babies and that were truly suffering from you know postpartum anxiety and depression and had nowhere to go. So they started this free group and they've helped hundreds hundreds of women that have come through this group and now they're you know they'll just send me random so I, I know them from that group and they'll just send me these random texts like hey how you're doing I can't wait to you know refer people to you so it's very oh, very yes. full circle very full circle and they have so been cool. so good to me and so encouraging and so um you know they're one of the reasons that I decided to um specialize and postpartum mood disorders is because of their encouragement and because I saw how they help women through this yes. very difficult time. So yeah, so I'm I'm very, very fortunate. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. You know, it is so interesting because when we start thinking about like who who has encouraged us, there's been so many people along the way a lot of times. And in that moment, it, it maybe isn't quite as apparent to us. But when we think back, it's like, oh my gosh, and this person and this person. So it's really cool to, to hear that. Um, you know, something that that you said um, is something that I have been, especially with my one friend, I've been sharing this with her over and over again. And I can't remember the exact quote. It was, I don't know if you know Ed Milet. He's really big in like personal development, but he was being interviewed and he said something to the effect of like the way that we see life is through the prism of how our parents saw life. And to mm-hmm. me, that is the reason I feel, I can't speak for you, but it sounds like it from what you had said. That's the reason that I knew that I could do this and that I truly believe that anybody can do anything that they want if they're willing to work for it and do it. Yes, we may need support and encouragement along the way, but we can absolutely do that. And that's because my parents had believed that for themselves. And it sounds like that for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very, it's very, very true. Yeah. And how cool is that? Think about like your kids, you know, like what they might be able to do because of what you're doing. Ah, I just, I love, I geek out about stuff like how we can affect future generations, you know, and like how, not how we can, how we do. It's just so neat to think about that. I love that. So what you're describing, so I've talked about um, Kathy and Seta, who I adore, the social worker and the nurse practitioner. One of the things I said to them is when you started that group, you didn't even recognize the ripples, yes. right? You, you were putting this out into the world and all these, and so I was one of those ripples and now look what I can do. Yes. So, and isn't that yeah, so it's cool? It's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And then you impact lives and other people impact. That's why I always tell yes. people, I'm like, when somebody feels like, you know, they don't have worth or they don't have value or whatever that may be, I'm like, you are so connected and you have yep. no clue. Let's explore how you have impacted other people and how you can continue yeah. to do that. And it just, um, it's, re- it's really cool to know how, truly how connected we are and how our choices do impact others. And I think it helps us stay motivated as a society to keep moving forward. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really beautiful and profound and kind of full circle way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this is my very last thing. I swear I could talk to you for like all day, but that just (laughs) reminded me of something. Right before I decided to take this step into moving into private practice, I had this like, I'm really big into like imagery. I've always just been kind of like, um, kind of a creative soul, I guess you would say in some ways and just uh, really have a good imagination. And so I had this like thought and it was really interesting. It was like, um, so my ancestors, right? So let's go back to like my great, great grandma. So I kind of like envisioned her like walking along the road and then stopping and then kind of like passing it on to the next person and they walk so far and then they Mm -hmm. stop and they built the road. And it's just kind of cool to think about like, okay, so how far can we go so that the next generation doesn't have to go quite as far or can even go further, you know, (laughs) man, I could, I'm telling you. Yeah. I could almost cry thinking about it, you know? So it's really, that's true. Yeah. No. So I am, I guess to add to that conversation, I'm actually first generation. Um, yeah. So that idea I think was, that was explicit in our family. Like this idea that these things that I'd, so, you know, my grandparents had on my maternal grandparents had very difficult, very physical jobs. They, you know, they left their home country. They left their families. It was really, really a challenge. And so we were, (laughs) we were made aware of that um, the time that we did this, we did this for you. And 
you know, that I don't, you know, my grandmother, she worked in a factory. She sewed um, pockets uh, and that's what she did. It was an assembly line. So every day for hours a day, that was what she did. Yeah. And she was like, I will teach you how to sew, but you are not, <laughs> you yes. are not going to go to work in the sewing factory and do like I have arthritis now and, and not, and there is, um, I don't want to make it sound like there, there's so much dignity yes. in that work that they did, but they felt like, I, you know, we want you to go to college and have a different sort of experience so that you can have, so that you can have more, more options, yes. you know? And so they were, it was, that was, that was explicitly stated. Yes. <laughs> We are doing this for you, and there's responsibility in that too. Yeah. That we uh, to recognize how hard we worked for you, and then you need to pay this forward, kind of thing. So, and yes. and you need to take advantage of this. We didn't have these, you know, we didn't have the advantages that you know we didn't get to go to, to school for free until twelfth grade. Like that wasn't a thing. Right. And um, so that was um, that was very very powerful, and that was yeah that was a big thing um, in my family growing up. That's so. awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. and for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom with everybody. And can you tell them real quick? I forgot to ask you this. Can you tell them your website? So if they want to follow up with you or have any questions, they can contact you there. Yes. Yeah. So contacting me through my website is the best way to reach me. So it's NicoleMcNellis.com and I'm sure we'll uh, link to it on the yes. podcast, but it's N-I-C-O-L-E-M-C-N-E-L-I-S. Okay. So NicoleMcNellis.com is where you can find me. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions or wants to reach out, I would love to hear from them. But this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This was such a great conversation. This is awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking time and for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode. 